0: I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly, but if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress... But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed effortlessly adjusts in response to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our weekend special. Save up to $1,000 on Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. Plus special financing. Ends Monday. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. The
2: Mystery Theater presents... Okay? Ancient Greeks who believed that man's life is a thread, and it passed through the hands of three goddesses, who were called the Fates. The thread spun by Clotho, the design was determined by Lachesis, and then was Apropos, who waited with the terrible shears. And when she snipped the thread, for a good reason, or a bad reason, or no reason at all, that was the end. Forever, And therefore, everyone who takes another's life also takes upon himself the mission of Atropos. And since, in a divine sense, she is the only one who is licensed to perform that duty, she may not take kindly to
1: competition. Bear it in mind. Are you trying to bribe me? Of course. I have never been so insulted. You've never
2: been so flattered. How important you've suddenly become. A mere girl like you can now control the destiny of thousands. How much money do you want? There isn't enough money in the world. Oh, there is. There is. We'll give you a million dollars. But... Take the million, my dear. Take it. Or we'll have to kill you. mystery drama, The Mission of Atropos, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan, and stars Nathan Adams. It is sponsored in part by Jewish Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act wonder I swear by Apollo Physician that I will fulfill, according to my ability and judgment, this oath and covenant. Thus begins the celebrated Oath of Hippocrates, for thousands of years the ethical standard and spiritual guide for practitioners of the medical profession. Louisa Alcott Mandeville is a young doctor, and the oath is still fresh and inspiring. A framed copy of it hangs in her office, where she looks at it from time to time,
1: every day. Hey, I'm looking for Dr. Mandeville. I'm Dr. Mandeville. You're Dr. Mandeville? No. <laughs> I, um, I see that's become my name around here, Dr. Mandeville. Oh. Well, who figures? Uh, the...
2: uh, a dame. Leave that. And ladies who are doctors,
1: but you figure they're all old things. You should also figure that all old dames were once young dames. <laughs> <coughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that figures. What's your name? Barney. Bernard Aloysius
1: Kremen. I reduction plant. Why don't you do something about that cough? Like what? Well, so you could stop smoking, for one thing. I can't. All it takes is a little willpower. How
2: can I stop when I never smoked room like <coughs> Caught you that time. <laughs>
1: Very good. <laughs> well, what's wrong?
2: I don't know what's wrong. That's why I come to
1: you. <laughs> I don't like that cough. I don't like it either. How long have you had it? Six weeks, a couple of months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is it um, painful? Well, I get a little
2: wave. Wait. It took me a long time to figure it out. Like like a wave. Like you go to the beach, see a wave, kind of rolls in and builds up higher and higher, and, and it just breaks. I get this wave. Does it hurt? No, no, it's, it's like pressure. Where? Everywhere. All over, all at once. I want to tell you, Doc, it's scary. And then right
1: in the middle of it, Cough. The, uh, wave. It happened just now?
2: Yeah.
1: Take off your shirt, please.
2: Uh, What's the verdict, Doc?
1: I don't know. Uh, Well, that's what I figured. Mm. I, uh, I need more time. Be my guest. Do you cough like that all the time? I do lately. I would like to send you to the hospital for observation. No, Dice. I can't afford it. Well, you could take it out of sick leave. You'd
2: still be paid. Yeah, but that's just straight pay. I'm not only knocking off time and a half overtime, but double time for Saturdays and Sunday. The way the plant is smoking now, I can't afford to give that up. Mm.
1: October 15th. The patient's name is Bernard Aloysius Kremen. White male, aged 54. Married, three children. No serious prior illnesses. Complains of some sort of malaise. Persistent dry cough. Pulse, blood pressure, heartbeat normal. Routine EKG, x-ray, blood test negative. Uh, Come in. Dr. Mandeville. You haven't had your dinner. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Drake. Well, now, is that why? No, I don't think so, Mrs. Drake. I, um, I have this work to finish. Oh, talking into that tape recorder, Dr. Mandeville. Do it on company time. You, I'll be down in a little while. Lester, did I overhear you say something about Barney Kremen? Well, yes, he's my patient at the factory. What was your patient, you mean? He died. He... he what? He died. Barney Kremen? He dropped dead this afternoon. Right after he'd come home from work. But that's impossible. Friday, October 16. Bernard Kremen, a man who in every respect seemed normal except for the cough, expired suddenly. A post-mortem performed immediately after at the hospital reveals absolutely no further information. Pathologists could find no tissue damage. Why did he die? And what caused it? Dr. Randeville? What's that? Where? The reduction plant. No. No, don't lift him. Don't move him. Call an ambulance. I'll be right there. Everybody, move away. Please. Please, give him some air. Can you hear me? Yeah. How do you feel? I said, I well, we're on a wave. You have any pain? It's just a wave, you know. I go up, I go down, I'm, I'm going to die. I know them. that. That that cough, how long have you had it? The, the, the cough. Bonnie's coming and I... Oh, now try to light here, please. What (laughs) can you? The the KCV 447. The
2: what? The KCV 447. I I draw that out. They're not
1: supposed to use it. What is KCV 447? (laughs) Don't let me die. Please don't let me die. I'm going to have to give you a shot. It won't hurt. Casey, 47. Remember? Saturday, October 17. Patient's name, Jack Edward Caddy. White male, age 25. Graduate student working his way through school. Unmarried. Displayed same signs, described same symptoms as Bernard's Cremon. Especially the cough. Became delirious. Lapsed into coma en route to hospital and died on arrival. Post mortem performed. No indication of cause of death. Spoke of substance called KCZ-447. Check on it.
2: Please, uh, sit down, doctor. Well, how's the job coming? Mr. Spalding... I wanted to... I must say that the board of directors didn't take kindly to the idea of a woman doctor for plant physician. A stodgy group...
1: Mr. Spaulding, in the past week, two men have died in the reduction plant.
2: Yes, yes, I was informed. Uh, what was the
1: cause of death? We're not sure. <laughs> not sure? Mr. Spaulding, what is KCV-447? Uh, KCV-447? <laughs> It sounds
2: like uh, someone's license plate.
1: Mr. Spaulding, this plant is filling a government contract. Oh, I hope you won't talk about that on the outside, Dr. Mandeville. It's it's top secret. Our current project is constructing motors for nuclear reactors.
2: Oh, Dr. Mandeville, really,
1: you I'm sorry, sir. This is germane to the discussion. What sort of discussion are we having? As the plant physician, I have been issued a list of government-prohibited materials. These are all hazardous substances which cannot be used since they constitute a danger to health and life. Violations will result in cancellation of contracts plus possible criminal prosecution.
2: Doctor, what is all this to do with me?
1: KCV-447 has been used and is being used in this plant. Doctor Mandeville, I can state categorically that is not true. And I say it is, Mr. Spalding. Do you have Evidence for such a serious charge? Yes. May I ask, what is that evidence? The evidence of my own eyes. I paid a visit to the supply warehouse, and I asked Mr., what's his name, Marlow, I believe, if we had any KCV-447. And he said he wasn't supposed to give out any information like that. But when I identified myself as the plant doctor, he said in that case it must be okay. You have cartons of it. Well, Mr. Spaulding. Ah, the old fool. The labels were
2: supposed to... Well, it it seems I'm caught red-handed. The next move...
1: Two men are already dead. There's no way of telling how many more will die because you have used a prohibited substance. I shall report this to the authorities.
2: Yes, that's one course of action. Another, you could forget about it.
1: Forget about?
2: I could make it worth your while.
1: Are you trying to bribe me? Of course. I have never been so insulted. Oh,
2: and never been so flattered. How important you've suddenly become. Here you are a fledgling doctor, still in your 20s, and you hold the fate of a $200 million project in your delicate hands.
1: Do you know what you're saying?
2: Listen carefully. I'm saying life is short. Timing is exact. Experience is treacherous and and judgment is difficult. I offer you a million dollars. There isn't enough money in the world. Yes, there is. All we have to do is negotiate and arrive at the price. There is nothing you and I have to
1: negotiate.
2: But there is something you should negotiate with yourself. You have arrived at a crossroad in your life.
1: That is not true.
2: You can alter the course of your entire existence. I notice you drive an Isotta Asmara, a very expensive sports car.
1: It's a luxury I afford myself.
2: Take a day or two.
1: And do what? Think about it. <laughs> I've already thought about it. KCV-447 is an exotic. There's absolutely no proof it's harmful. Then why is it on the prescribed list? My
2: dear doctor, you know how vocal these do-gooders are. Doctor, even those who are violently opposed to KCV-447... Admits, it can only be lethal to
1: a very small number of people. One person is enough. And these would have to be people who, who have a very rare protein allergy. In this plant alone, it has already sucked down two people that we know of. The toll can rise higher. Doctor, if
2: indeed, KCD-447 is the culprit. Now look, we have no real facts. But here is what I'm willing to do. I- I'm sorry about those two men. Anonymously, quietly, I'll send money to their families. Will you stop using
1: KCV-447? Doctor,
2: I can't, unfortunately. You see, it's a drying agent. It dries various component parts twice as fast as any other known process. Therefore, it cuts my fabricating time in half. Also, my cost. That's why I was able to underbid all my competition for this job.
1: Well, I don't think we have anything further to say to each other, Mr. Spalding. It's a Saturday afternoon. I shall spend tomorrow on my analysis and present what I know to the government on Monday morning.
2: You uh, may regret your action, Dr. Manifel.
1: I'm a doctor to whom life is precious. I'm also a citizen
2: for whom the law must be supreme. You are also a phrase maker. Good day, sir. Not to mention a pompous little fool. which reminds me. One of our great Americans said, experience runs a hard school, but fools will learn at no other. I'm afraid, Doctor, that there may be a very hard lesson awaiting you. Smooth as fatten, sweet as honey. That's how Fred Spalding comes on. But do you suspect An iron fist inside that velvet glove? You could be right. Dr. Mandeville has decided to take action on Monday morning. But that's almost two days away. Two days can be a lifetime. An eternity. I shall return shortly with Act Two. act ended with a young lady doctor who had some damaging evidence that could destroy the fortunes of a powerful industrialist. And she was going to present that evidence to the authorities on a Monday morning. I regret to say that she never did. It is with even greater sorrow that I must inform you that we shall never see Dr. Louisa Alcott's mandible again in this life. Why? Well... It is Sunday evening, and we are in a police station. Well, well, well. What are you doing here, Richard Harding Davis? Richard Harding Davis. I sure date you, Lieutenant Carey. How about How about Floyd Gibbons? Bah! Nah, they were reporters. They died before punks like you were even born. I'm sorry. You're covering the station house tonight. Yes, sir, Lieutenant Carey. Alfred Alexander marks Times Union at your service. Lieutenant Carey? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, let me write it all down. Victim's name? Yeah, make a car. Uh-huh. Right. Get the report in. Yeah. What was that? uh nothing you're gonna win the Pulitzer Prize for. Dame killed herself in an auto accident. Smashed into the concrete wall of an underpass. Kills herself and totals the car. One of those foreign jobs, an Isada as Mara. You're kidding, an Isada as Mara? Huh? I drive one of those. And yourself? I got it 15th hand. She wrecked an Isada? Hey, let's have the details. She must have been an heiress. Uh, you'll never guess, so I'll tell you. She was a doctor, company doctor at the Spalding plant. About 30 years old, name of, uh... Louisa Alcott Mandeville. With that name, she must have been a real hot face Don't try to make Grandpa carry here you. think you're tough. If you want more facts, she could pick up her bio from personnel at the factory. Can you imagine somebody totaling and I thought her as Mara? <laughs> what time it is. Sure, it's 12 o'clock noon. Well, it's my day off, so whoever you are don't bother me. Yeah, Al, it's me, Frank. Frank the Junkie. Frank the Junkie? Yeah, I own the junkyard over at South Main. Oh. Hey, Al, you still looking for master brake cylinder for that sports car if you like? Yeah, heard? sure. Okay, this car, exactly like yours. I saw that as Mara itself totaled a couple of three days ago. Killed a dame driver. I'm on my way. This is her, Al. The Isada ass Mara. Oh, I remember. I was filling in for the guy who had the police beat that night. Cops said she must have lost control and run off the road. I wrote up the story. She was a, a doctor, young, too, alone in the world. It happens all the time. So, you, you want to take the master cylinder out and look at it? Be my guest. <laughs> Is it okay, Al? Yeah, yeah, it's okay, I guess. Go figure, Uh, you you can pick that up at a junkies. It's gotta be my lucky day or yours. (laughs) What are you staring at? Piece of tubing. It's part of the brake line. It carries the fluid from the master cylinder to the brake. I know what it does. I think Frank. I think it's been cut. Uh, Deliberately cut. Why would anybody want to do that? So that all the brake fluid would spill out, which would mean that in a little while there'd be no brakes, and if you were going downhill or around a curve, goodbye. Yeah, yeah, but why? Maybe somebody wanted that young lady doctor to have an accident.
1: What are you building, Al?
2: This end of the line, Lieutenant, you see, it's been deliberately sawed through or cut through. Al, you wouldn't be out to create some news now, would you? What are you trying to say, Lieutenant Carey? Sunday night, what was the story worth? One paragraph buried somewhere in Monday's paper. But now, what if you could get a whole week out of it, huh? week on the front page in your byline every day. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a normal, natural way for a hungry, young reporter to behave. Here's your first headline: Foul play suspected in woman doctor's death. All I want is to determine if this break line was deliberately cut, and if it was, this becomes just as much your business as mine. So, what do you want me to do? Send it to the police lab. Oh, the police lab. That's where the miracles happen. That's supposed to be the last word. Are you going to send it to the lab or not? Okay. I'll send it to the lab.
1: I don't know if I should talk to you, Mr. Marks. Uh, uh, Mark,
2: I'm with the Times
1: Union. It's a fine paper. Oh, I know it is. I'm a subscriber. Couldn't get through my day without Times Union. What do you want to know about Dr. Mandeville?
2: Mrs. Drake, I'm going to level with you. I think she was murdered.
1: But she was killed in an accident. It
2: was no accident. The car was tampered with.
1: But by, by whom? Who could have done it? A thing like that? Why? I was hoping you could tell me. I'll tell you what. About her friends, to start with. Well, she didn't have any. She worked all day, came home, worked half the night, and went to bed. Men? Well, since she's living here, nobody. Phone calls? None. What did you know about her? Well, nothing. You mean she didn't talk about herself? Oh, she did. It added up to nothing. Comes from California originally. Folks died when she was born, raised by my aunt. Never played much with other kids. She read a lot. Went to college and medical school on scholarships. Never did anything in her whole life but work and study. What about her things? Well, she had her clothes and a few personal items. Got in touch with this old aunt of hers on the phone out in California. What do you want me to do with the stuff, I asked. Keep it, the old lady answered. Now, I think she's senile. Could I look through some of it? Well...
2: Look, Mrs. Drake, I'm on her side. You know that.
1: Well, okay. uh, But I don't think you'll find anything. (laughs) Well, I told you, Mr. Mark. it'd be just slim pick- This tape recorder. Oh, yeah, the tape recorder. Oh, she came home and made notes of all her cases. Let me switch it on. The patient's name is Andrea Detweiler, age 46, white female, married, two children. History of ulcers. Yeah, I see what this is. Oh, she's got a whole carton of tape here. You could spend days listening to all that stuff.
2: Well, maybe I better do that. You mind if I borrow the recorder and all those tapes?
1: Well, well, I don't know why I should have it. Mrs.
2: Drake, did she seem upset lately? Upset? Uh, no. Nervous? Apprehensive, out of sorts?
1: Well, I don't know what to say. Uh, she was, well... Well, you see, last week, two of her patients at the factory died, you know?
2: No, I didn't.
1: Well, she took it kind of hard. Not that it was her fault, I guess. Tell me something. When she left the house Sunday evening, do you know where she was going? Oh, yes. Yeah, she told me. Matter of fact, she said she was going to drive all night to get there in the morning. Get where? Washington. Why would she be going to Washington? Well, I think she said she was going to see some government people. Who? Oh, I don't know. Must have been important if she was going to drive all night. Well, yeah. When she walked out of here, she had the look of a person who meant business.
2: What does the lab report say, Lieutenant Carey? Like I suspected, everything or nothing. Let's have it. Well, on the one hand, it could have been sword through. You see? On the other. Could have broken due to the high impact of the crash. I'm not sure. But it could have been sword through. Oh, sure. And then again, it didn't have to. Look. She was headed for Washington, D.C. when she got killed. I spoke to the landlady. All right. All right, what? Isn't there anything you want to do about this? Do about what? A girl gets killed in a car. Trail. The car was tampered That's with. That's only an assumption. It's not enough for it. Yeah, well, it's enough for me. Mm-hmm.
1: You think there is a story here, huh? Yes, Mrs. Rogers, I do. Well, why? The
2: brake line was tampered with.
1: But well, that hasn't been definitely
2: established. But there are grounds for suspicion. Look, Mrs. Rogers, a quiet, almost a mousy little doctor. C- c- keeps completely to herself. No other life but her job. Dies under circumstances that might be... Okay, 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 I'm saying might be suspicious. Is it worth a shot?
1: You have a hunch, haven't you, Al? Yes, ma'am. All right. I know what it is to be on your side of the desk with a strong hunch. See what you can run down.
2: Oh, Oh, yes, the uh, Times Union. Your publisher, Mrs. Leticia Rogers, is a warm personal friend of mine. Mr. Sporting, I want to talk to you about Dr. Louisa alcott Mandeville. Oh, sad. Very sad. A tragic thing. What do you know about her? All the surface things, what it said on her resume. She was very quiet, kept to herself, very efficient. May I ask why you're interested? I have an idea she was murdered. Y- y- what? The, the car crashed, as I understand it. It could be established that the car might have been made to crash. Well, that's certainly a shocking thing to contemplate. I have an idea that the answer is here in this factory. Here? Why would you say that? Because she seemed to have no other interest, no other activity in life. Did you know she was headed for Washington when she was killed? No. How did you find that out? Our landlady told me. She was headed for Washington. She had told the landlady she was going to see some government people, and she seemed quite angry. Hmm. Well, this is news to me. Did you did you know that two men died here last week? I was informed, yes. Where did they die of? Well, oh, that information would be available at the hospital. Weren't you interested in finding out? No, well, I was, but no one seemed to know. Would the late Dr. Mandeville have known? I'm not sure I follow all this, Mr. Marks. <sighs> a doctor employed in a factory that is working on a government project leaves home rather angrily one night and heads for some government bureau in Washington, evidently to report a violation. Oh, you seem to be drawing a long bow. And I think I'm on target, too. As a doctor, what would she be angry about? The death of those two men? Do you intend to print any of these mad speculations in the newspaper? There must be something wrong in this factory from the standpoint of health and safety. Hadn't you better establish that as a fact first? Oh, it's a fact, all right. I just don't know where the evidence is. But it exists. I'll find it. Mr. Mars, what I'm about to say is off the record. And you'll never be able to prove I said it. Who would believe you? Now, uh, look, I'm at a crucial stage of a top priority project. Uh, I might also add that the security of our country depends on it. Not to mention the jobs of 6,000 people in this fair city. Are you building up to what I think you are? Absolutely. Now, I simply cannot afford to have publicity and disruption and all kinds of inspectors messing about. So, uh, how, how much do you want to stop being a nuisance? I can't be bought. Rhetoric, rhetoric. It's so important when you're young. I mean it. I intend to go full steam ahead. That's because you have so little experience in the ways of the world, Mr. Mark. Speaking of experience, was it Ben Franklin who said... Experience keeps a hard school, but fools will learn at no other. Well, we heard that one before. And it was followed by a fatal car crash. Al Marks has been offered the same deal Mr. Spalding was willing to give Dr. Louisa Mandeville. And Al has turned it down also. Now what? Can we expect another automobile accident? I shall return shortly with act three. Truth, it is said, shall prevail in the end. How much better it would be if truth could prevail in the beginning? Could save so much trouble. And it might be much safer for those people who are determined to live with it. Who knows? Dr. Louisa Mandeville might still be alive today. Certainly life would be simpler for reporter Al Marks if he could get certain people to believe him. We've got a lieutenant, Carey. Got who? Spawning. For what? For the whole thing. He tried to bribe me. Now, oh, Al, well, you can't prove that. In a court of law, no, but he did it. He offered me money to lay off. It would be your word against his. And whose word would you take, Lieutenant Carey? Look, he tried to bribe me. That means he killed her or had her killed. Naturally, he wouldn't work on her brakes with his own hands. But Al... You know what I'm telling the truth. On what I say alone, I know there's no case, but it should be enough to start you guys off. What do you want me to do? The reverse. Usually, the evidence leads you to the killer. This time, the killer has to lead you to the evidence. Al, I need more. You're done, so the evidence is out there. Now it's your job to find it. How? Assign men to do it. I have to have a reason. I just can't put guys out. Lieutenant, it could be you're afraid to tangle with somebody the size of Spauly. Now, don't try that psychology stuff on me. Wait a second. Lieutenant Carey. Oh, Yeah, he's here. Huh? Okay, I'll tell him. That was your publisher's office. She wants to see him. All right. Don't sound good. What doesn't sound good? I think you're going to get some heat. What do you mean? You could be stepping on somebody's toes. The Spalding? What do you think? Then I'm right. You agree I'm right? Sure you're right. For all the good it's gonna do you.
1: Mr. Spaulding was rather upset with you this morning, Al. Well, oh,
2: not as upset as I was with him. He tried to bribe me. I don't
1: believe
2: that. Let's say you don't want to believe that.
1: Oh, Al, you are a good reporter. But all you've got are hunches. A saw through break line. Not conclusive. The lab will not commit the itself. The
2: two men who died? It's coincidence. Why would she be headed to Washington, D.C. to talk with some government people? What would she have to talk about if not some violation at the plant?
1: Al, how do we know she was angry? How do we know she was going to the government? How do we even know she was headed for Washington? Her landlady told me. Well, will her landlady put it in writing?
2: But Mrs. Drake...
1: Look, I told you everything I know.
2: Well, all I'm asking you to do is let me put it in writing. You said she went to Washington, D.C.
1: I said she went to Washington. Didn't have to be D.C. Could have been Washington State. Why would she go there? Because she comes from there, the West Coast. You said she was
2: going to meet some government people. You said she walked out of here like a person who meant business.
1: I don't remember saying that.
2: (sighs) All right. How much did he offer you? Al Marks. Yes, Mrs. Rogers. Uh, No, Mrs. Rogers. I was unable to get her to give me anything in writing. Well, she... She reneged on the story. He must have gotten to it. Yes, Mrs. Rogers. Yeah, I'll report to the managing editor for another assignment. But you and I know Spaulding's guilty. And if you can live with it, I wish you luck. What am I out to do, get myself fired? Listen, kid, I believe that brake line was Hacksawed. I believe he tried to bribe you. I believe he got to the landlady. Do you, Lieutenant? I tried to work on it. That guy's out trying to run down leads. Look, if he'd had the brakes tampered with, he'd have had to do it between Saturday afternoon and Sunday night when she was scheduled to leave, which means it had to be done in the darkness on Saturday night. I had guys checking the neighborhood for anything that looked suspicious. And? Nothing turned up. I don't know what to do. I wish you did. Because you have to come up with something, anything, so that I can justify pulling the men out. What do you got? Nothing. You gotta have something. I've got that tape recorder. It's miles and miles of tapes, diagnoses, medications. Go through it. But that could be a career. You sold me the idea she was killed because she was acting like a doctor. Well, on those tapes, she's talking like a doctor.
1: Displayed same signs, described same symptoms as Bernard Kremen. See tape, yesterday's date. Bernard Kremen, he had... Okay, I remember. Go ahead, Louisa. Especially the cough. Spoke of substance called KCV-447. Check it.
2: KCV-447. KCV-447.
1: KCV-447. A rapid-drying agent suspected of having lethal properties. Its use is prohibited. Attacks certain persons who have a specific protein allergy. Not much known. It causes death in six weeks. Only sign is a persistent dry cough and a rising and falling feeling of pressure. Yes, indeed.
2: We've got him. We've got Mr. Sporting. Oh, yeah. No wonder he was willing to pay off.
1: Lieutenant Carey.
2: It's me, Al Marsh. Listen, Lieutenant, I want to let you know you were right about the tape. Yeah. What I got here is dynamite, and I haven't even heard half of it yet. Look, it'll take me the rest of the night to get all of it. And then I want to meet you at headquarters, and I'll bring my publisher. Is it good stuff? When you hear it, you'll know why she was killed and who
1: had the motive. Jack Edward Caddy, a graduate student in chemistry. Worked formally for International Solvents they were cited for using KCV-447. It is reasonable to assume, therefore, that Jack Caddy may have suspected the use of KCV-447 at Spalding. But once he had caught the illness, it was too late. He must have known because he told me he was dying. This is dynamite. The disease caused by KCV-447 is so rare it has not yet been named. It has a destructive but invisible effect on the heart and lungs. Its only symptoms are the dry, hard cough and the roller coaster feeling of pressure. Once these appear, however, the disease has already taken hold and its fatal course is irreversible. Yep, I guess that's all of it.
2: Louisa Alcott Mandeville, you were a great lady and you didn't die in vain. I wish I'd have met you before. Well, I'm going to get my first good night's rest in over a week, and tomorrow morning we cook the goose of Mr. Spaulding. I thought I would tell you two people first.
1: Yes. Uh, go ahead, Al.
2: What have you got? Here's what we've got. A prohibited substance called KCV-447. Spaulding uses it to get an unfair manufacturing advantage over his competition. It kills people who have a certain protein allergy. And two such people we know about already died in that plant. These are facts? It's all here on the tape. Her words, her voice, summing it up. She finds out about it. You'll hear how. She confronts Spalding, He tries to bribe her. She announces she's going to report it. The next night, she's dead in a car accident that's
1: at least... That's what you've got on the tape?
2: That's what I've got on the
1: tape. Well, we'll print every word of it. It's enough to make
2: an arrest. Roll that tape.
1: Here goes.
2: Well? Something's wrong. Maybe I don't have the cassette on right. it seems
1: to be running smoothly.
2: You got the right button pushed up.
1: Something's wrong. Well, run it fast forward. See where the voice begins. Something's... Something's wrong. Ah.
2: are you sure you're me. Had listen it? to me, both of you, listen. I had it all here on tape, here on this recorder last night. I had it. I swear I had it.
1: Well, I'm sure you did. But where is it now? I don't know. I, I do know. Spaulding, he got it erased somehow. Al, you are becoming paranoid on the subject of Spaulding. But it's true. <laughs>
2: Mr. Al Marks, our fine young journalist. Have a seat. Mr. Sporting, I came here to tell you that no matter what anyone else believes, I know you killed Louisa Mandeville. Not true, my boy. You had her killed. All reporters should have respect for the truth. Now, that's better. You had someone fix the brakes. Correct. I'm sure if federal inspectors searched your warehouse for KCV-447, they wouldn't find any. Of course not. Uh, Somehow you got the tape erased on the recorder. I don't know how you did that. I had a tap put on your telephone. When you told Lieutenant Carey you had all that information on tape, the proper steps were taken while you were fast asleep. You won't get away with it. I'll spend the rest of my life if I have to, but I'll get the goods on you. Oh, that's nonsense, and you know it. You know you can't get the goods on me because they no longer exist. Nobody gets away with murder. Oh, that's a slogan. If it makes you feel any better, believe it. People like me get away with murder all the time. It's our business. We know how to do it. You know a man like me cannot be brought down by a little man like you or a woman like Dr. Mandeville. I can't be brought down at all. And you know I'm telling the truth. Well, you're almost ready to burst into tears because I've I've completely demolished everything you wanted to believe about the, the law of compensation, the ultimate triumph of justice. None of that's true now, is it? (laughs) Well, is it? (laughs) What are you laughing at? (laughs) What's so funny? How? How long have you had that, that car? What are you talking about? I shouldn't have laughed. It isn't funny. (laughs) Why is it funny? (coughs) What are you talking about? Maybe, (coughs) just maybe, I'm talking about justice. (coughs) Exactly six weeks later, the headline in the Times Union informed the world that internationally famous industrialist Charles McNeil Spalding had died suddenly. The story was written by reporter Al Marks, who quoted the doctors as saying that Mr. Spaulding's death was a mystery. Perhaps, but not to Al Marks. I'll be back shortly. narrowest of tolerances, by the smallest of gauges, little accidents, coincidences, chance encounters, sudden hunches, any one of these can change a life, or even decimate the earth. The world is such a volatile, unpredictable, capricious, and giddy place. Can there possibly be a master plan behind it all? Our cast included Mason Adams, Joan Lovejoy, Jackson Beck, Joan Shea, and Robert Maxwell. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. What's the matter, Becky? I thought I heard Julie cry out. Oh,
1: well, her back, I think. I gave her some of these pills, two of them. Is that all right?
2: Yes, so sort you of can do when these attacks oh, come. Oh, okay. A very strong drug. Puts a person to sleep almost immediately. Oh. Quite frankly, I don't like her to have them so near at hand. I'm always afraid if the pain is too much, she might take an overdose. She seems rational enough. But she's not. Ever since Carrie's death, her mind wanders and all that. Uh, Wildest flights of fancy, feelings of persecution. I, I, I don't know. Now that you're here, I'm afraid my poor wife is stark staring mad. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our Mystery Theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time,
1: pleasant dreams.